0: Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lynette. In this episode, we'll be sharing more about our family's adoption experiences. We'll be sharing the story of our fourth child's adoption, which was a pandemic placement. This is our last episode for the season, and we are excited to share it with you. Yeah,
0: so we'll wrap up the season with wrapping up our adoption stories, and we'll be back the second week in November.
1: For this episode. Today we're gonna start off by talking about our family and our experience a little bit more.
0: So at this point in our family building story, we had adopted three kids in about four and a half years, and we were living a good life. It was busy, and at this point, I think we were beginning to think that our family might be complete.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we honestly were so we are so lucky to have all of these wonderful kids that we adopted. And I remember when we were trying to adopt the first time, seeing families with lots of kids that were trying to adopt, it bugged me. I was like, what are you guys doing? There's all these people without kids that want kids. But I mean, ultimately, you've got to do what's right for your family, right? And I wanted to make sure all of our kids were well provided for and that we could meet all of their needs. And so at this point, I know in the beginning of our podcast we talked about how we wanted lots of kids and by this point our mentality had really shifted and we didn't want that giant family we wanted to make sure we could really provide well for our kids that we do have especially meet all of their emotional needs
0: yeah but, <laughs> but... <laughs> but things change right so yeah. <laughs> our youngest was about two and we've kind of talked about this before but we kind of rely on the intuition that we have or feelings or promptings that we get. Lynette and I had a conversation and we both realized that we had been feeling like, you know what, there might be one more child for our family.
1: I think what I was feeling wasn't quite the same as what you were feeling. I think I was feeling like we need to get approved one more time just to like prove to ourselves that we're done. I really didn't think there was one more child for our family at that point. I felt like three was our number, but I also knew we were still pretty young and I knew that we would have that what if, because that's us, that's just our personalities, right? For sure. That we would wonder a lot, like, should we have done it again? And so I was like, let's get approved one more time just so that we can say we tried, right? Just in case God wanted to add to our family and I know sometimes that can be a controversial topic in the adoption world so I am sensitive to that.
0: So we got approved and within just a couple weeks actually I had a co-worker reach out and say that he had an acquaintance whose daughter was expecting and that she was planning on adoption. Um, she was very early in her pregnancy at this point, only like six weeks and uh, he was reaching out mostly because he knew that Uh, We had been really involved in the adoption world and was looking for resources uh, that he could provide to that family uh, as they were kind of navigating the beginnings of what adoption might look like. And in that conversation, he asked if we were hoping to adopt again, and I said that we had recently been approved, and he said that he'd share our profile, and he did. But weeks turned into months and months and months, and finally uh, at the point where she was probably like eight months.
1: Yeah. Third trimester for sure.
0: Um, they reached out and asked if we wanted to meet.
1: Yeah. So we went to this friend's house, our mutual friend, right? Because I think that felt like a safe, neutral ground for us to meet each other. So we went there and got to know this expectant mom and her dad was there too. And it was really a neat experience to get to know her. Um, we've talked about how when it's right, like it just clicks, right? Like you can feel this vibe and we didn't have that there, which is kind of the telltale sign, right? And so I don't think we were super surprised when she told us a few days later that she had chosen a different family to place her baby with. But I think a couple of the big takeaways I had from meeting this expectant mom, one thing was that I think we kind of finally mastered an awesome meeting gift could be we decided to make french macarons which are a labor of love if you've ever made those they're challenging to make at least they are for us
0: well and lamette's love language is food for sure
1: well yeah but also we've talked about finding that sweet spot with gifts right yeah that is meaningful but not valuable right yeah
0: it was very genuine
1: yeah And so I was really pleased with that. I thought that was just such a good idea. Also meeting her really reinforced to me the importance of being genuine because I don't think if we hadn't been genuine, she would have picked us, but she, this expectant mom, she really wanted her baby's family to have a stay at home mom who was in the home. And at this point I was starting to think about going back to school and getting a graduate degree. And I was starting to think about going back into the workplace. And I was like, you know, this might change with the baby. Yes, like I might put that all on hold, but I'm going to be going back into the workforce when our kids are in school. And um, this mother, her mom was home for her all throughout her school years, right? And that was something that she really loved and wanted for her baby. And when she said that, I was like, you know, I can't just not say anything or pretend that we're planning on that. So I had to tell her, you know, that's really not us if that's what you're looking
0: well, for. Well, yeah, and I mean that actually I mean that has been our reality with yeah, you being I've, able I've to do a at stay home at home, with home mom with
1: our kids when they're home. But the chance of you kids.
0: going back into the workforce is a a big reality, right? And so yeah, and we do not want to mislead her. Open and vulnerable, mm-hmm. even in the moment where we knew that that may persuade her decision, yeah. uh, we needed to be true to ourselves. Absolutely.
1: And I mean, I don't think that would have changed the outcome if we had like, I don't know, fudged that or anything, but I'm glad that we didn't, obviously. It's so important to be honest and transparent and yeah, just be really genuine with what who you are, what your plans are. It's not like your plans have to be set in stone, but it wasn't the right fit. And we all knew that.
0: Yeah, and I guess for those that are hopeful adoptive parents, we have to remember that every situation that presents itself isn't the right situation, mm-hmm. um, and as much as we want to have another child, or as much as we want to have a child, we have to be honest, we have to be really clear in communication, and we have to be okay knowing that this might not be the, ne- the situation, like the it thing It might that not be the worked. right
1: fit, Yeah. And obviously this one wasn't. And I think we already even knew that before we had to say that. But, yeah, when it's right, it'll work out.
0: So we weren't chosen to adopt that baby. It was totally okay. Um, But we were kind of feeling like, hey, we opened the door. Nothing happened. And we're going to feel good about letting it close. So we let our home study expire. And life moved on. Mm -hmm. Our kids Started getting older and really busy with sports and music and and everything else. Mm
1: -hmm. And I mean, our kids are still not super old. No, but, But yeah, things were getting busy and our youngest was getting ready to start preschool and I was getting ready to start applying for graduate school. Because that had been my plan. As soon as he started preschool, I would get the application rolling and my plan was to start grad school when he started kindergarten. And... I was working on, you know, just researching all these different programs and trying to narrow it down. I had two I was weighing, trying to decide which one felt right. I was looking at a master's in social work and I was looking at a master's in creative writing. So one was one that I felt like this kind of altruistic pull toward and the other is something I really love and enjoy and I'm passionate about, but might be a little bit less of a career sort of master's degree, right? And so I was really torn between these, and as I was trying to figure out what I should do, I just kept getting this feeling that we should adopt again, that we should get approved again. And honestly, I was kind of frustrated because we had already gotten approved again, right? Nothing had worked, and it was okay, and we were happy. But I was like, man, I don't want to put this whole plan on hold and wait and wait and have nothing happened again like I just want to take that next step and I was really excited for grad school but I was getting this feeling that I should wait on the grad school and that we should get approved again and so I talked to Sean about it and I was not thrilled to be talking to him about it it was almost the holidays
0: and the most ironic part about this whole thing was she brought it up the day after we bought a new car
1: That's true. We bought a new car, and it had enough seats for another kid, but it's not convenient. Ideal. Yeah, we would have got it. It's fine now, but it's fine. But we would have totally (laughs) picked a different car if we had known. It was very ironic. It it really was ironic. Maybe that was part of what helped me actually bring it up, though.
0: Now that we have a car that can fit more children. No, I mean like
1: (laughs) I was looking at the car and like, man, I wouldn't have picked this car, and maybe that. I don't know, but either way, so I brought it up to Sean, and. You were feeling the same thing, right? And
0: I had been having some thoughts like for probably like six months, but I was, I didn't want to be the guy that was like, hey, uh, you know how you're just about to start grad school, our kids are in school. By the way, I think we should have another baby and put everything on hold for another five years or whatever. Um, and so I kind of just sat on some of those feelings for a while. And then when she brought it up, I was like, okay, well, Just so you know, I've been having the same thoughts and the same Mm -hmm. feelings for like the last six months. So I guess we need to do this again.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I wouldn't say I wasn't like all in like the idea of actually adding to our family was really exciting. But of course, that weight and that unknown factor, it's challenging. It's a roller coaster. And I really was feeling like I should just put the grad school on hold. I'm not saying that You can't go to grad school when you have a baby, right? But
0: Because you did.
1: Well, yeah, we'll get to that. But (laughs) but I just was feeling like it wasn't the right time. And so we got approved. And true to our own style, we got approved pretty quickly right around the new year.
0: Yeah, so we got approved at the very beginning of 2020. And we had no idea what that year would have in store for us or the world. Um, But we were you know, excited and hopeful, but also kind of like Lynette mentioned earlier, like maybe this is just the, the tests again, right? Like let's prove to prove ourselves that these feelings we've been having that, you know, will follow our feeling and nothing will happen.
1: Yeah. You want to open those doors. Right. But we, I don't, I really didn't think that anything would happen for a while. I wasn't like sure that our family was done anymore. I was thinking there probably was another kid, but I thought we'd have to wait for quite some time.
0: And I was feeling pretty sure that there was another baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got approved and... Uh,
1: we didn't think anything would happen for a while though, right? Yeah. I mean, were you expecting anything soon? Not really. Yeah.
0: But we... Yeah, we were living our life. Kids in school, you know, running races. Mm-hmm. And in fact... And,
1: yeah, Kim, who we interviewed a couple of episodes ago... She actually called us the night before we had a race.
0: Yeah, and she said, hey, one of our speakers at this conference fell through. Could you be on one of our adoptive parent panels? And we said, oh, we'd love to. We've done it in the past. We really like sharing experiences and answering questions. But we're in southern Utah. We're going to be running a trail half marathon tomorrow. And she said, "Okay, no worries. We can find somebody else. And a couple hours passed. We're at Lynette's parents' house, and my phone rings again, and it's her again.
1: It's Kim, yeah.
0: And I'm like, I wonder, like, she's just following up on our conversation earlier. And I was like, I answered the phone a little kind of hesitant, like, hey, what's going on? And she said, actually, um, I've been having conversations with an expectant mother, and she is really excited or interested in connecting with you guys.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had an Instagram account that just had a little bit of information about us. That was kind of our profile for anyone that wanted to learn more um, about us as an expectant parent. And apparently this expectant mom had found our profile through Kim. Kim had directed her to it because she was wanting a really, really open adoption. And our daughter's birth mom was on our profile with a video where she talked about our relationship. And as this other mother was watching the video of Carrie speaking, she just said, that is the kind of relationship I want with my son and his family.
0: And so she gave us her phone number and we, I tried to, we tried to call and there was no answer, but then we sent a text Mm -hmm. and
1: and she didn't reply that night.
0: No. So, you know, It's the night before race. We couldn't sleep well anyway, kind of anxious, jittery before a a race. Yeah. And the next morning, we wake up really early. Really early.
1: Yeah, Yeah, anyone who runs races, I think, knows that feeling, right? Of waking up at 3 or 4. Yeah, 3 a.m.
0: We had to drive about an hour to the start of our race. Mm -hmm. And we started. And probably 30 minutes into the race, I got a text. And... Normally I'm not the person who like texts and runs at the same time, but we knew like we had initiated a a conversation or, you know, tried to connect, um, with this expectant mother and sure enough, it was her. And so over the next hour of the race, I'm running right behind Lynette. and And this was
1: a trail race for like out in the middle of nowhere in Southern Utah, just running on these dirt trails And Sean's texting away and sending every now and then like pictures of us running.
0: But yeah, I would, I'd get a text and it's really hard to read a text and run at the same time. So I'd stop for a second, I'd read it and then I'd catch up to Lynette and I'd tell her what the text said and say, how do we reply? And anyway, this happened for probably an hour. And then finally I just said, okay, well, we'll text you back when we're done. And we look forward to connecting with you later today.
1: Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think that our conversation while we were running had us both feeling really optimistic, right? Yeah. And we talked more, mostly through text and Facebook Messenger, right? Mostly text at that point, I guess. Yeah. And we just were talking a ton with this expectant mom. And it was a great, like, kind of chemistry between us. And so we finished our race, and we were totally floored, right? We had been approved for maybe two Two months. months. Yeah. And suddenly it was feeling like this might actually happen. I I was feeling really optimistic.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And we got back to your parents' house. And I think you took a nap.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we had run like 14 miles. So I was pretty tired.
0: And yeah, it was a crazy good trail run. But you were spent. And yeah. we didn't sleep very well the night before. No. Um, but I continued to text back and forth as texts come. And answer questions about our family and about openness and what we hoped for in open adoptions and what type of relationships we had. And all of a sudden the the conversation shifted to this baby or my baby to our baby. Like mm-hmm. the verbiage, the, the nouns that she, or the pronouns that she was using mm-hmm. in, in the text.
1: And I was somewhat lucid during this. It's not like I was no, saying no, the no. whole thing. You were reading those texts to me. And I remember when you read that text where that, shift happened. And I was like, wow, I I think she might've just chosen us like not officially, but, but yeah, there was definitely this tangible kind of shift and we felt it.
0: Yeah. And so we kept that up and we,
1: we made some plans to go and visit her and her boyfriend and her older son that next weekend.
0: Yep. And so that came really fast and we went out and this is right before things were shutting down with the pandemic
1: but they live a few hours away from us. And so as we were getting ready, all the stores started running out of toilet paper and everything shut down and the pandemic hit, right? Like that's that was the week that everything went kind of nuts. But yeah, it was that wild week, right? And that week was wild for us for extra reasons too, because we started texting with this mother about names and she wanted to name baby together and I was kind of stressed out about it, but it worked out really well. Anyway, like there was just so much happening. It happened fast.
0: So we drove out, we took the whole family, we went to lunch all together, and then went to a park, and Mm -hmm. our kids played uh, with her her son, who's...
1: He's between our two older sons' ages. ages. Mm -hmm.
0: And we just got to talk and just be together, and it felt really normal. It it felt felt good. good. Yeah,
1: it felt like a good fit.
0: And so we spent several hours out there together, and it was pretty certain at that point. And so we reached out to our our caseworker, Kim, and told her, you know, it looks like this is the plan and um, began to offer more services to her mm-hmm. counseling, made counseling available. And,
1: and we got her a lawyer. We had a lawyer so that we both had legal representation.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then our relationship just progressed via texts and eventually we switched to facebook messenger and sent pictures a lot sent little videos a lot mm-hmm. and
1: we got to know each other pretty well yeah
0: yeah we did go out uh another time to take her to a doctor's appointment and the hope was that she and lynette could go in and do the ultrasound together mm-hmm. but because of covid restrictions when we got there they told us that nobody else could come in Which but was fine. Yeah, yeah we we had lunch again together and spent some time um and that was just a couple of weeks before baby was due.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we had talked a little bit about what her plan was for when baby was born. But our plan was really just to hang tight and hang back and go out there whenever she asked us to. Sue, right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we we had imagined and even kind of talked about we're just going to come when you're getting discharged from the hospital. Yeah.
1: If, I mean, and there were these extra precautions with covid so she really couldn't have people in the hospital and i mean we wanted to give her her space and let her time yeah let her have control over that hospital time and spending time with baby
0: yeah so uh time passed the due date came and he did not
1: he was our only baby who was overdue huh yeah he came ten days after his due date. Ten yeah. days late, and, and those that ten was days agonizing. I have so much more sympathy now for women whose pregnancies go longer. And
0: yeah, we didn't experience the same physical pain, but emotionally and mentally, like it was so straining.
1: I was going nuts. Yeah,
0: we just wanted that little guy to to make it safely here, and it was it was stressful, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, like Lynette mentioned 10 days later earlier in the morning um, his birth mom reached out to us and said hey my water broke headed to the hospital our son's birth father was at work and where he was working there wasn't really signal or a way to connect with him Um, and so she went to the hospital with her mom Mm -hmm. and we stayed in touch throughout the day kind of getting updates and it pro well, it didn't progress. It was mm-hmm. very, very slow.
1: Yeah, so luckily her boyfriend was able to make it too. Yeah, so
0: he got off work mm-hmm. at like five. Got to be
1: there with her.
0: Went to the hospital and he still wasn't coming. Baby, st- yeah. Yeah, baby wasn't coming. And so they gave the option to do a C section. And he was born right before midnight via C section. Yeah. And and we were Sitting in our bed, texting back and forth with birth father. Yeah. And And um, he finally sent this video of our son just had just been born. Like he was just mm-hmm. about to be weighed and he was really quiet. And then he started crying and it was just a very surreal feeling. It like, was
1: so surreal. It was really neat. And it was so sweet that he was keeping us in the loop like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kind of step by step. Mm-hmm. And uh, we said, well, Get some sleep, get some rest, and we'll connect in the morning and see how Mm -hmm. things are going. And the next morning, pretty early, probably 7.30 or 8 or so,
1: um,
0: his birth mom reached out and said, Hey, uh, my boyfriend's super tired. Like He worked all day. He's been up all night and kind of emotionally exhausted, too. Of
1: course, yeah.
0: And he is going to head home. Uh, so he can get some sleep. But the hospital said that if he leaves, he can't come back until I'm being discharged. But they said that if you guys come, you can stay, but you can't leave until I'm discharged. Uh-huh. And so really quickly, we reached out to some friends and asked if they could take our big three kids for a couple of days, and we jumped in the car.
1: Yep, and drove out to that hospital, and... Yeah, it was incredible. So we had to stay in the same room. Well, so we were assigned a room next to mom and we were allowed to be in our room and her room. Right. And we couldn't really go anywhere else in the hospital. And obviously we were like wearing masks and stuff too, but it was very like isolated. Yeah. And so we basically lived in this hospital room.
0: Well, yeah, so we basically sit in her room.
1: During the day. During
0: the day. Mm -hmm. And it was really sweet. Um, Basically, we just talked the whole day and passed baby around. And for me, I feel like it was one of the easiest transitions um, and bonding experiences, both with an expectant mother, now now mother, and uh, baby, because... We were all together in his first few hours.
1: Mm-hmm. It was really neat. We got to really bond with both of them. And yeah, it was beautiful. It was a really special time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that first night came and we didn't know what to expect. And again, we wanted to give her all all the decision power, right? And I said, well, we want to let you get some sleep. What, what's your plan for baby? Like, do you want the nursery to have him and bring him to you in the night? And she's like, you need to get used to having a baby in the middle of the night and I'm going to get some sleep. So, um, she said, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll call you or text you if I, if I feel like, like I want to see him. Um, and we said, absolutely. And so we went back to our room and took baby with us mm-hmm. and, uh, the feelings of parenthood started to sink in, I think.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it was really, really neat. We got to spend those three days in the hospital. A little, both of them. Yeah, a little
0: extra time because of the C-section.
1: Yeah. And really have this special time with both our son and his first mother. And so she signed papers in the hospital before she was discharged. And then we wanted her mother and her older son and... um her boyfriend and everybody to be able to like come and see baby. But since they couldn't at the hospital, we ended up renting a hotel room during the day, like a day hour kind of rental. And so we had everybody over at this hotel to see baby and kind of have a little bit of time all together before we headed back home since we are a few hours away from them.
0: And it was really sweet. So grandma got to hold baby, and birth father got to spend a little bit more time, and and uh, again, like it had the whole t- time, it felt really natural. Being together, being with them, was comfortable, and even in a situation that was, you know, pretty emotionally vulnerable for everyone, like it felt really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was such a neat experience.
0: So we brought baby home and by that point, uh, Lynette's parents had picked up our kids from our friend's home and we brought baby home and they got to meet, or he, I guess, got to meet his big sister and big brothers and it was an exciting time.
1: Yeah, super sweet. He's such a sweet little man. We adore him and he is probably spoiled rotten, but he's very adored and we love that relationship that we still have with his birth family too. So we got home, and I actually ended up starting grad school a couple of months later, I forgot to add, but Sean is a graduate of a public administration master's program. So he got an email saying that they were hoping to get some more applicants because of the pandemic. It had been a little sparse, and I just heard him tell me that just in passing. He wasn't trying to persuade me to apply or anything, and I said, I'm gonna apply for that program. That suddenly feels really right. And that is the program I think I'm supposed to do. It's not supposed to be social work. It's not supposed to be creative writing. It's supposed to be public administration. And I applied, I got in, which frankly, I was kind of shocked (laughs) that it all was so quick and worked out so well. And so I'm in a grad school program right now. I love it. It keeps us busy, but it's really been neat to see how everything just clicked into place. Especially considering how in the beginning I felt like I was giving all of this up to try one more time to adopt. And now I'm so glad, right? Like I can't imagine life without our fourth baby. And I'm so grateful that I get to be in school too. And it's worked out really nicely with having all of that fit into our lives.
0: Yeah. And, you know, having that five-year gap was unplanned but also it's been really sweet because the relationship that our older kids have with him is just really cute and different than the relationships that they had when they were little babies mm-hmm. um, because of the age gap and uh, it's been fun to see them understand more about adoption and and see how our baby came into our family and you know we have a couple pictures that we've posted on Instagram before of our daughter giving hugs to birth moms when they're still expecting and like kisses on their bellies and just kind of just this understanding of how our family is built. And it's been, I think, just exceptionally sweet to have them witness what happened to them. And obviously a little bit different story. Yeah, each every story is different. But yeah. how our family grows. And so that's our story.
1: Yeah, I would say with our kids, I do feel like they did have more questions about their own adoption stories after seeing baby brother's adoption, which I think is really healthy and good, but it has been really interesting. Um, Our six-year-old was never very curious about adoption, like would try to say, hey, look, we're visiting with your birth dad or whatever. And he'd be like, yeah, that's cool, but it didn't seem to be something he thought much about. But after his baby brother was born, he was like, wait, wait, wait. So now my birth mom is this person, right? And my birth dad is this person. And my birth dad's mother is this grandma. And like wanting to piece it all together in ways that he hadn't really thought much about before. And that is also where we started having a little bit more of that challenge of trying to help our kids understand how relationships are all going to look different And they're not going to see their birth family like the exact same amount of times as other siblings might see their birth family. And, you know, just accepting that that does look different for everybody. But it's been really neat to have all of their questions and see them put adoption together more as they've watched baby brother's adoption story unfold.
0: And really sweet so that's the story of how we had a pandemic placement and how our family grew to six Mm -hmm. with four kiddos we
1: feel really really fortunate to have our wonderful kids and their wonderful birth families in our lives Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Open Adoption Project. So as we mentioned, we are wrapping up our first season of the podcast, and this is our last episode. So we will be taking a brief break for a few weeks. I can't believe that we've been doing this for half of a year already. It's yeah, been six months.
0: It has been six months. Uh, 26 episodes, one a week. Yeah, crazy. And it's kind of fun. Like, we had this idea for a really long time, almost to be... I mean, there were a couple of reasons we started, and we've shared those before, but wanted to be able to help the community answer questions that people have, and what it's morphed into that I don't know we were really expecting in the beginning was a platform to hear a lot of experiences mm-hmm. from all three parts of the adoption triad. Mm-hmm. and I think it's been so sweet to see how it's be to see how it's become what it is right now.
1: Oh, me too. I absolutely love hearing other people's stories. So season two is going to be all about hearing different perspectives. We really want to keep our podcast from being like an echo chamber. We want to hear all of these different perspectives. We want to hear the good, the bad, the sad, the ugly, everything, adoption. And so so we're already working on season two, but of course, life is busy. So we thought it'd be good to have a little bit of extra time to work on putting season two together. To help us get a bit more of a head start, since we are actually recording this episode just hours before it comes out, and of course that is stressful. So we are excited to be getting a bit ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, we have a few episodes for season two already recorded. uh, Some great conversations. We will continue to interview members of the adoption triad, a few more people that have like kind of double connections. Uh, One of the first that you'll hear in season two is an adoptee who is now an adopted mom. Uh, We'll also interview more adoption professionals, Mm -hmm. both on the legal side and the social work side. And uh, just like Lynette said, try to provide a vast variety of experiences so that we in the adoption community have a better, well-rounded view of what's happening and what people are experiencing.
1: So we will be back on November 8th with our first episode of season 2. Our podcast is available on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. That is quite a list.
0: That is a long list.
1: Yes. So go ahead and subscribe to be updated on when our new episode comes out in November and
0: stick with us on social media. We'll continue to post on Instagram at Open Adoption Project over the next several weeks. You'll get some maybe sneak peeks at things coming up and also, uh, you'll know when our season launches.
1: Yeah. I think Sean's also planning on sharing a little bit about his bone marrow donation this next week as well. And so if you're curious, you can follow our stories on Instagram and see updates about that.
0: Yep. That's happening in two days. So the time of this recording. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the open adoption project In addition, we would love for you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Audible during the break. If you don't know how it works, if somebody's looking for a podcast, if they search adoption or open adoption in any podcast platform or even in Google, those that have more ratings or reviews are going to show up higher or first in that search engine optimization list. And so we would love to be able to be a resource to more people And if you're enjoying the podcast, if it's been helpful to you, uh, please jump onto either of those platforms, again, Apple or Audible, and give us a five-star review and comment. Leave a comment so others can know what experiences you're having. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Open Adoption Project podcast, and we will see you in November.
1: Thank you so much.